Mindfulness Mode 155. He punched me in my eye. And we got in a big fight in the lunchroom. Thanks so much for joining us on Mindfulness Mode. Today, I have a terrific storyteller on the show named Shannon Kaysen. He was a keynote speaker at Podcast Movement in Chicago. And the minute he started talking, you could tell he's just such a pro. He's got an amazing ability to tell stories and he does it for a living. I was so honored to get a chance to talk with him. And when, when I asked him if he'd be on my show and he said yes, I was really thrilled. So you're going to enjoy the episode. Just sit back and uh, just drink it all in. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am really excited to have Shannon Kaysen on the line today. Hey, Shannon, are you in mindfulness mode? I am mindful. I'm here in the moment right now. Uh, that's great. Shannon Kaysen is a writer and a storyteller. He's actually told stories on stages across the entire U.S. And he's been featured on such top storytelling shows as The Moth and Snap Judgment. He's also host and executive producer of WBEZ's Homemade Stories, a collection of fiction and nonfiction stories with unique commentary you got to check this out when you hear (laughs) shannon you know you'll get a sense that he's just naturally mindful he lives in the moment and and he likely doesn't stress out too much at least that's my take so shannon uh is that true you don't stress out too much well you know um i don't look at stress as a bad thing all the time because a lot of times i do get stressed because I, i push myself to go beyond my comfort zone so much that uh, sometimes that has a effect that I don't know. Like it's an anxiety because I don't really know what's going to happen because I'm in a, I'm in different waters, but uh, I don't think of that as negative stress. I just think of it as I'm just anxious because I've never done this before. So, (laughs) so that's, that's, that's the stress I feel mostly because I've tried new things. Yeah. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Shannon? Mindfulness to me, and um, um, it means paying attention to the moment you're in, just being in the moment and experiencing things as they happen. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you have a great way of taking those experiences and, and translating them, communicating them, telling, telling us your stories. So, Shannon, when did you first figure out that that was your thing, that you were a storyteller and you could make a career out of it? Well, those are two different times. Uh, uh, when I found out I was a storyteller, might have been when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be babysat and, and I would make, stories when I was young, just thinking of different stories and making different, my GI Joes have different, uh, different, uh, circumstances or situations with them as all kids, you know, but I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed writing and reading. I would uh, go to the library with my mom. Thank, I think my mom for always taking us to the library and bookstores, but I would, I would read books or I would look at, uh, astronomy picture books and make stories and think of different worlds and different universes and different 
galaxy, you know, all the kind of things yeah. that they that, yeah. that go along with that. You're like, man, it could be a different universe. You know, it could mm-hmm. be different. You know, that's just expand your mind so far. And then uh, comic books to fictional things. And and I love I went through a comic book period when I was mm-hmm. young and we were try to make our own comic book, me and my friends and cool. come up with ideas and just talk about. Uh, deep things together and you know some of it was far out some of it was <laughs> made no sense but it made sense to us you sure. know so those things uh, uh all attribute to being a storyteller um yeah. just recently is is with the emergence of different storytelling groups like the moth and in uh, uh snap judgment and this american life becoming so popular and all these different public radio shows but also um uh, just so much in storytelling it, it, it kind of took on a, his own his own a life of his own as a buzzword in a sense so i found that there was ways of of, of making that drill full-time profession as well yeah Right. And mm-hmm. I know you, you sold suits for a while and you've done different things. And then you transitioned into actually telling stories on stage to make money. And that was a few years ago. Tell us when that happened. Yeah, well, just telling stories on stage isn't really to make money. It's, 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 to, uh, it's to share your world, to share your world, to share an experience with others. Um, um, that's pretty much the reason you do it. So for, for that to happen... Basically, uh, I had been writing and reading a lot. I made a zine called Homemade Stories. It was a little folded up sheets of paper stapled, and I would sell them at zine distros, and, and I would just sell them on my website, my blog. And and from there, I found out about like their literary events and coffee houses and little bars little that you can do your reading. So I would read from my zine. And I found out about podcasting because I had got an iPhone and I was oh, listening yeah. to Mark Marin. I was listening to uh, uh, The Moth. I was listening to all these different podcasts. And I said, why not make my own podcast? So my podcast started from the zine. I would read passages from my zine for the podcast and talk about the creative process of how I came up with that story or, or, or commentary. And um that took off from seeing that, that that when seeing the live stage with the moth, I decided to kind of go on stage and tell some of my stories. And I, I had immediate success with it. I saw people, um, a lot of positive reinforcement, people enjoying my stories. I won what they call a moth grand slam, which is their their highest uh, award as far as within that slam, the slam uh, setting as far as with the moth. And and that's where I started just telling more stories on stage. But my my objective in telling stories on stage is always there's not much money in it, you know, at yeah, all. Yeah. But my objective is to is to share with others, just to kind of like share my experiences and and hopefully my experiences somebody can relate, somebody can experience something vicariously through me, or somebody can can connect with me in some way, you know. Yeah. 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 So you've been a writer for a long time and you really love writing. How do you feel when you when you sit down and you see a, a blank screen or a blank sheet of paper and you, you're going to get started? What goes through your mind? Uh, that's the stressful parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Start, starting is always a anxious point because, uh, 
you you have to break past that that of just jumping in you know so many people have an expectation or have a a, a uh, a goal to start something, but starting is the hard point. Just getting started. You know, a lot yeah. of people come to me and say, I want to start a podcast. I want to write a book. I want to mm-hmm. do, you know, just, Hey, you got to start. So I try to push beyond that, get started, get those first words down, but something magical happens as you, as you get into writing or creating, you become part of it. You, you I can, it's sometimes in a story I could be writing and it feel like I cross over into the story. So I can look around. I can see different things. If I see a car in the street or a kid or somebody's yelling something, I can see it. And I just write what I see, you know. Wow. And that's an amazing thing because that can happen on stage as well. You can do stories that you've created and you, when you were creating it, you walked into that story. And now on stage in front of a thousand people or so, or, or 10 people, you know, it doesn't matter how many it is. And you can be in the story and you can be reliving it. And everybody else is reliving that moment with you. They're there too. They're walking around. They're seeing everything that you're seeing, you know. So that's, that's always the magic to it. So um, creating creating is a spiritual thing and it's it's a um it's a it's a it's a benefit and it's a it's a pleasure to have that in our lives i I would encourage everybody to create something in their own way because that's 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 what they were born to do they're creator yeah 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 yeah. that that whole creation thing i totally agree i'm a musician i love to write as well but i think a lot of people lose that when they get into adulthood and they kind of forget about that creative part that they loved as a kid what would you say to those people it's going to take something to um to smack them back (laughs) to uh who they who they really are I, i i experienced that i mean i was when you graduate from school you have all these aspirations to become I mean I graduated in the 90s and I guess everybody was wanting to be you know tech guy or whatever but it was still a little uh you wanted to be a professional you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying and say professional was like a big deal I'm a professional you know so I was going to my professional career and professional was nothing involving anything that I had a skill set in. <laughs> it was just things to make money, just things yeah. to to whatever your salary could be, the highest it could possibly be, you know, thinking about jobs in the sense of, of what has the highest salary. And, I mean, it's a responsibility there. You have to make money and those things. But, but um, I was smacked back in place in 2008 when the recession happened. So I lost a job and, and I went back into writing and reading and some of the things that I enjoyed. And I, I had to remind that, that kid, Hey, wake up, man. This is, this is what you love. This is what you enjoy doing. I wrote a story on it called, the, um, this, I did a podcast on it called the thinker and I talk about it, you know, how, I was on the direction of becoming this manager, this and general manager that, and yeah. and not uh not even reminding myself who I really was, and right. and once I did, it was like 
you know, you say you don't have regrets, but people do have regrets. I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have wasted so much time. But now I use a lot of the material that I had in that in that life of trying to be a professional. (laughs) (laughs) I use all that material far as in my right, you know. So I think that helps other professionals too. other people striving for that professional uh, designation when they read, read my writing or experience my stories. They kind of like, OK, yeah, he's reminding me that this isn't that deep. I'm taking myself too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love listening to your stories, Shannon, because, you know, you have a way of just taking something that just seems like the tiniest little photo of a moment in time. And then you start talking about the details and you make some comparisons like, you know, her glasses, uh, they sat on her nose like a hawk sitting on the cliff about ready to take off, you know, and like, very cool, you know, and, and just the whole package, the sound of your voice, the way you're telling the story. I mean, it just draws me right into wanting to listen to it. And then it also draws me into wanting to do something in my own style, you know, not that I want to copy what you're doing, but just take some of your ideas. And, you know, you, you said at Podcast Movement, you said, hey, you know, get your family into this, you know, pull in some stories from your, your family and get them involved. And, you know, that's what you do. You know, Cindy suddenly speaks up and says something, you know, that Mm -hmm. you've got. And it's, it's just cool how all of a sudden you've got that different, that different uh, personality coming through, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so then I, I talked to my dad, you know, my dad's, uh, 91. Oh, wow. And, and he, he's very, very quiet, man. And when you go out there, it, it takes about an hour when you're visiting, he doesn't say much of anything. And then he starts to warm up and he starts to tell a few stories and he starts to laugh. And I, I told him about a story I just wrote, uh, wrote about when we were kids and they got this ice cream freezer and he would put this ice in and, and then, you know, we all stand around with a spoon. We couldn't wait, you know, because it's just like the best tasting treat ever. Mm-hmm. And then my dad says, oh, yeah, remember the time when I didn't put the salt in there and I wanted to check it out and see how. It... And then I thought, man, too bad I didn't have the recorder going, you know. So I ask him. I thought of you, you know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of Shannon. And I'm like, I got to ask him, can I? put a mic on, you know, just record you. And so I planted the idea, but I don't know whether he's going to go for it, Mm -hmm. but I'd really like to, to hear some of his stories. So you get people involved, you use music, you, you, but the one thing you do say is get others involved. Don't try to do it all yourself. When did you start getting others involved with your storytelling to make it all work and all come together in a bigger way? Well, for family, I, I always wanted things to be no separation, no, 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 uh, no strong separation where, OK, I have to go to work and and I'm going to be on this island and then I'll come back to everybody else. So if I set it up at the beginning where my wife and daughter, I mean, from my podcast, you can hear my daughter in episode, I think, seven, because I wrote it while she was being born, you know. So mm-hmm. you can hear her crying in the background as I'm kind of saying the story because she was a baby at that time. And then 
till now, you know, she'll do my intro sometimes. She'll say, this is Shady Case's holy story. <laughs> you know, my daddy's <laughs> next show will be blah, blah, blah. You know, so you can see, okay, uh, I think that's interesting. And I think it's a good documentation for myself, you know, just to have that kind of as a as an archive for my family, you know. So I always wanted to kind of include my family. Uh, I call it homemade stories because homemade, you just throw a little bit of everything. Like you talked about your your father uh, not putting in the salt. I mean, that kind of thing is interesting to him, you know. I, yeah. So homemade, I, I, I'll use people come over to the house. I have a character in mind, like, and I say, hey, just read this part, you know, just read it three times and I use I use it on the podcast. So I do that a lot too. Like if somebody over the house and I like their voice, I'll just hey come upstairs real quick and I will tape them. But uh and use that with the podcast. I say with your dad, he ninety. Man, just just put the recorder on. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta get no uh those those slips filled out. I did that with my dad. My dad I had always been kind of nervous of my dad my dad is an intimidating figure in detroit and it's not just me you know a lot of people have been intimidated by my dad and i just did i went over his house because i'm older and i kind of like i don't deal with fear like that no more you know i just kind of push through if i have any anxiety i just push through it It ain't gonna kill me you know so so i i went by his house and set up my tape recorder all my stuff, not tape recorder, but you know, I just, yeah, I'm yeah. old school, still tape recorder. <laughs> I set up yeah. my recorder and everything in, uh, in his man space in the back room. He sat on the leather couch and I poured us some, some Hennessy and homemade stories cups. And we, yeah. we took a few sips and, uh, and I said, dad, I'm going to interview you and just ask you about your life. And my dad can talk, you know, he's not quiet yeah. like your dad, but yeah. he's quiet in certain circumstances, but he can talk, you know? So, he just went on a role, a, a, a role of, of growing up as a kid to mm-hmm. now to all these other things. 67 riots in Detroit. He talked about starting his business. He talked about all kind of child, you know, uh, having having us divorce. He talked about being a pimp. He was a pimp at one time in his life. So he talked about all these things on the podcast. I mean, on the recording. And I used it for a podcast. It's called The Man. And I did it with, with, with BZ, you know, and I told them to leave because he cusses and, and uses certain language. I said, leave all that in there. Don't bleep that out because that's just how he talks. And I wanted I wanted to preserve just how it is. So we, we, we got pictures. We have all these things. But I would say get that audio of your dad. You will appreciate it at some point. And your, your kids, your grandkids, and probably people even beyond you know, that will appreciate that you had that recording because the recordings are, I mean, it's valuable to have a yeah. voice. We don't, I don't know, I, I can't hear my granddad, you know. Yeah. I knew him till I was 14, but I can't hear him. I don't know what he said. I can look at a picture sometime. I mean, if they find a picture, you know, I remember certain things, but I don't remember his voice. A voice, all our senses have certain elements where you smell a certain smell and it'll take you to a place. You see a certain picture and it'll take you to a place, but you hear a certain sound and it'll take you there too. And the sound of your your parents' voice, your father, your mother, your grandfather, your kids at certain times in their lives, I mean, it's just, it's priceless. You can't, you, you know, record people, record yeah. it, yeah. 
Yeah, and I loved that episode you did with your with your father. That was great. And you know, I I've worked in bullying prevention, Shannon, for a long time, and mm-hmm. you know, talked with kids and adults who have gone through some of this stuff. And you know, mindfulness can really help people to deal with this because sometimes kids get so caught up in what happened and they can't get past it. You know, mm-hmm. do you have any stories about bullying that you could share with us where mindfulness might have made a difference well i i i bullied you know yeah, did you yeah. yeah i bullied that one time i mean i've been bullied and i've bullied you know and uh and one of the things for me i tell a story about that you know in my storytelling i'm not the hero i, I in all my stories at all you know i kind of yeah. try to push yeah. not being the hero in every story because I mean, who wants to listen to that, you know? (laughs) Well, like the episode you just did, I suck, I suck because, I suck because, and then at the end, and you suck too. (laughs) All of us do, all of us do. You know, you paint these pictures as though you some, you know, people people paint these pictures like they don't have problems or they don't have issues. And so I bullied, and I told the story about it where I had, uh, I bullied the kid, we were from the same school and he um, he was trying to set a new name for himself at the new school that we were. We were from the same old school, but we was going to this new school district and he was trying to reestablish his person, his his place and being at the school. You know, it was like hierarchies at the school and stuff. And and I saw it and I'm very, you know, observant of everything. And he was going off on me like for something. And I'm like and I had tried to remind them of who I remember him as and I started bullying them. So talking about him in front of the other kids and started pushing and he punched me in my eye and we got in a big fight in the lunchroom. I was, I've always been a big guy, you know, so I was a big yeah. kid. So I, yeah. I was being nicer, like not trying to really hurt, hurt him, but we both got expelled from the school. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a fight. I didn't even think the fight was that bad. But we got expelled. I guess it was a zero tolerance time or whatever. So um, I talk about that. And I was bullying him because I was I was I was jealous that he was he was taking control of his life. I was I was I was too invested in his life. I probably was jealous that he had. His self-expression, he was doing things that, that, like, far as expressing himself, that I wanted to express myself in those ways. I was doing, so I thought back on, like, why was I, why was I bothered? You know, he was cussing me out, but I, well, why was I bothered that far? You know, why did I have to go against him to, to, to put him in his place in a certain way, you know? And I, and I examined myself. So I examined myself a lot in my writing. I had a friend who invited, a, a gay friend who invited me out to the bathhouse. And I examined myself on that. Like, man, do I want to go to this bathhouse? What, what is he going to do? What's, what's going to happen to me? Is something going, you know, are they, <laughs> you know, so I'm examining myself and my own prejudices, my own uh, uh, assumptions and all those things in my stories. But uh, bullying you know, I've been bullied and, and I've bullied. So that's something that does happen. And I think it, it is good for the for the bully to, to, to be mindful of what he what, why are you doing this? 
and also the person being bullied to be mindful of uh of uh of themselves as well you know in in the sense of you know it, it I like that one campaign um, they had it gets better or something like that. It yeah. was like it gets better because yeah. a lot of times that's not that's not the end of the, that high school grade school. It's not the end of the world. That's just when you think back on your life. Those are important periods in your life. But I'm not that grade school kid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, that's- I'm so much more. You know, has happened over that time. You know, I'm still oh. that grade school kid, but. So much more has happened, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people I talk to, Shannon, have a time in their day when they kind of have, they're really quiet. They're they're praying. They meditate. Whatever. Do you have anything like that in your life? Not really. In the mornings, I. It's not a, like a, a designated thing, you know. It's not like yeah. a routine thing. In the yeah. mornings, I visualize before uh-huh. I wake up. So I visualize my day. I'm okay. a to-do uh, list person. So I always write a to-do list at the beginning of the day. But these things are so like natural to me. I don't even think of them as routine. Mm-hmm. You know, I just do it all the time. I've always done it. So I just like a visualize my day and then I write my to-do list and then I'll, I'll try to get everything done, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I, I, I like to visualize a lot. You know, I like to visualize a lot, but I don't have a, a prescribed time that I do it or, you know, a, a recommend, you know, a regiment that I do every, sure. every time. But those are things that I just naturally always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so do you visualize before you appear on stage in front of a lot of people like, say, podcast movement, for instance? Do you kind of put it into your mind what that's going to be like? Yeah, always the day before when I wake up in the morning, I'll see myself on stage. I'll see uh, people shaking my hands afterwards and I'll see myself being being um, being content with what I've done um, before I go on stage. I remind myself that this is what I'm here for. You know, I remind myself that no matter what happens, you know, I always, I do a thing of thinking beyond like, this is just this stage. (laughs) It's going to be much bigger stages. Don't get too caught up on this. So I, I I don't minimize the stage I'm on, but I just think in my sense, in my mind, just, you know, like this is what I'm here for. You're gonna do this many more times. Don't get too anxious about this situation. So I'll it, it'll comfort me in knowing like I'm doing live shows now here in uh my city, Detroit. And, you know, anytime you start a new venture, every show isn't a sellout show. So yeah, I just yeah. remind myself, hey, this is the start of things, you know. This is how things start. And don't get too hard on yourself. Well, that's one of the things we we all have to be careful of, you know, don't beat yourself up no matter what happens. You know, you have one person come out. I know I I started doing a series of presentations mm-hmm. and I, you know, was hoping to have a pretty good turnout and uh, this one presentation I only had two people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know what? It's those two people are two important people in the world and I'm just going to do it and go through it. And one of the people at that particular presentation ended up uh, being my client. Mm. And so it was like, it was awesome. You know, it was a great, great person to meet and get to know. And, 
And you know, it's just funny how life can be like that. Yeah. So the mob, the mob is the mob is fickle. You know, it's like yeah. you, you can have you can have two people right there in the uh, same presentation, depending on what popularity or somebody's mentioned your name, and now you have five hundred people at the next, and everybody. That's that's what you kind of got to look at too. Like I look at sometimes my early listeners and people who really enjoy my writing and listening to the because a lot of times like okay, say they run something on a very popular show where I do something that's really and it really takes takes off, and then it seems like everything you say is funny at that point. Everything you say is great. Oh my, you see that, and everybody loves you at a certain period, and then. Yeah. You grow even more. Then people hate you. <laughs> now everybody hates you. Ah, oh, man, I can't stand him. He, uh, he just think he 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 full of himself. That's all he does yeah. is talk about himself and blah blah blah. And you have been doing the same thing from the two people to the five hundred people to the to the five million people, and it just all. You know, so I always kind of like <laughs> I, I really enjoy those times and those people who who caught on early on. You know, those those that they have one client that you have right there. He was at a show with yeah. two people, you know, yeah, that's yeah. that's a that's a that's a real supporter. He sees the value in what you bring more so than that person when it's five million people vying for your attention. You know, I always try to remember um, people who listen to me early on, you know. Yeah, stay connected yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true for sure. You know, I wanted to ask you when, when you're on stage or even on your podcast, you're telling your stories, it just flows. It's so easy. It doesn't sound like you're reading a script or anything, but you've, you've written these stories already, right? Are you kind of reading them word for word or are you just kind of telling the story, even though it did appear on the paper or what? Yeah, I come out of hip hop. I, I come out of Detroit hip hop, uh, yeah. um, uh, different groups and stuff from Detroit in the '90s. So what we do is you write your rhymes, right? You have a written rhyme that you go write for a beat, and you look at your rhyme, you practice it, and then you say your rhyme. So your rhyme, it can't sound practiced. I mean, it can't sound like you're reading or whatever. It got to sound yes. like you're in the moment of the song because it, it won't it, it won't sound it won't sound good, you know. So I would use the same process as far as with the podcast. So I work on a script. Everything is scripted, right? But I go off script sometimes. I will practice. I read it through, know what I want to say, and when I turn on the tape to record. I say it, you know, and I know where I'm going. I might go off a little bit because I just feel like a energy to go off. But but it's pretty much on point. And I think that that's where my best practice came from is through hip hop, you know. So even the cadence, the um, the rhythm, the everything of the the, the story, it it, it kind of originates from that time frame in my life soul music being around my dad and mom and grandma gospel and and hip-hop and it's musical so i think of music you know when i'm doing certain things i think of music even timing you know i was talking 
I, I, I do workshops on storytelling now. And I was talking about, you know, pauses and those things. Sometimes pauses can sound scripted. You know, a person can be scripted and they pause. It almost sounds like this performance, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you if you if you practice it or if you feel like a rhythm to it, it won't sound as performancey when people pause because pre- pauses are, are wonderful things, you know. But but um, I use music. I use I think in terms of music all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love your music that you use on your show. And do you mm-hmm. use music on your live shows as well? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I use a, a, a iPad program, and I will press the iPad to play certain sounds and music and, and interview interview uh, quotes that a yeah. person might have. I use that in, within the show, too. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Shannon, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round, just okay. short 30 second answers if you can are perfect who is one person that's really influenced you to be the way you are today and you know mindful and living in the moment and all that um probably a fictional character easy rollins on uh walter mosley's easy rollins novels i like him he seems like he's always mindful and i read those books (laughs) 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 in that kind of fictional character Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. So how has being this way, being mindful, living in the moment affected your emotions? Um, uh, I have more control, more control over my emotions, more lucid to think before I act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us, is breathing part of your mindfulness? Like, do you think about your breathing when you're presenting and things like that? I had to control my breathing because I, I do breathe hard. And I and I've 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 noticed that I control my breathing um, more. I, I do do breathing exercises, but I can't get into them. And my my wife will tell me like, "Why are you breathing like that?" So I, I do. I'm mindful of how I breathe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned Easy Rollins, but is there any other book that you that comes to mind that has to do with mindfulness or kind of? pops into your mind when you think of living in the moment um another book i really liked and it's an old book but that stephen covey book i forgot what it's called uh i forgot what it's called it's one of his first books i read that way back in the in the 80s i think or 90s and that's a book that I always I always kind of go back to and look at even though i don't use it i don't i'm not walking around with a uh <laughs> What were those called? Timekeepers or whatever. I'm not, I'm not, but I, but the, but the, 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 the strategies still work today. They timeless. Yeah. Is that the seven habits of highly effective people? Yeah. That, that one? one, seven habits. Yeah. 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 That was, that was a great book. That's for sure. And how about an app? Do you ever use an app to kind of help you to stay on track or to be more mindful? I'm basic. So, uh, Google calendar, is my thing that I use just to keep keep my schedules, to know that I was to speak to you today, to know that certain things that's going to happen over the course of my day. I use Google cal- Calendar and my written to-do list. So those things. And I always have to write things down. So I have a written calendar, written to-do list, and then I transfer everything to Google Calendar so I know it's in there as well. Well, I work with people sometimes, Shannon, who are like, 
they're so tense and uptight and mm -hmm. they're like trying to get everything done and they're overwhelmed. Some of them haven't even heard of mindfulness, but what would you say to somebody like that if they thought, yeah, I want to get to be more like that? Um, what would I say to them? I would say, uh, is what you're doing working? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you need to do a little less. Maybe, maybe you need to, uh, to be mindful of what you, you know, what, what's your, what all these, all these things you're trying to accomplish, where, where is it going? You know, cause yeah. a lot of times you could be so busy doing a bunch of stuff, but then where's all this stuff going? I used to work with people like that. I'm like, why are they that busy? I think they're just trying to look busy. That's all they're trying to do. <laughs> just look busy instead of really yeah. going somewhere, you know? So you know, putting the rubber to the road is, is the most important thing. And sometimes it doesn't take, as much as you think it might take if you're mindful of your plan and mindful of your strategy to get there. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. So Shannon, you know, it's been great talking with you. How can mindful tribe learn more about what you do, connect with you more, maybe contact you? Yeah. I would say go to shannoncason.com. My last name is C-A-S-O-N. Uh, sign up for my newsletter. And listen to Homemade Stories podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. People really get to know me by listening to my podcast. I got friends everywhere. Uh, and I, I, I'm always the same person. So the podcast is a good way to get to know me as well. Yeah, I feel like I know you. That's for sure. It's just, <laughs> it's just so great to get a chance to talk to a person. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the show, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. Yeah, my pleasure. You have a great rest of your day. You too. I appreciate you. Okay. Yep. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.